down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to one of the segments that we're going to be doing for our ninth edition retrospective. I've got two of my illustrious Australian compatriots, Victorian compatriots even, um, from the WTC team. Uh, that was a championship in 2022. I'm joined by the wonderful Matt Morisoli and Jeremy Marigold. Hello, boys. Welcome. G'day, g'day. G'day. <laughs> we are, wow. Yeah. Original. <laughs> it was, yeah, spot off. Um but we are here to do one of the segments on the ninth edition retrospective. So we're, the the edition's coming to an end. We're going to put it up against there, it's, up against its compatriots, up against its you know the other editions of the game. See how it's ranked up. See what we've liked and loved about it. What we haven't, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but gents, jumping straight in because there's a lot to cover. Uh, I'll start with you, Jez. Uh, what was your first impressions of ninth edition? The first time you kind of disseminated it and had a game. Well, to be honest, I mean, I know um, this kind of sets the context for our I guess our commentary that i'm pretty sure we were in lockdown when it came out um it was so, yeah so we were in lockdown and i believe one of the first events i played of ninth edition was ratcon and i played uh soul you remember we played that game when i was playing death watch remember that game um oh yeah 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 so like i i didn't really play the first few months so the first like i think it came out like yeah. in july or whatever it was first few months we were all in lockdown so like i to be honest didn't even really look at it because i was really depressed and a lot of people were um playing tts and i i did actually try tts i did download it and but i just couldn't get yep. behind it um i know it's still a valuable resource and people are still using it today but i just for some reason for me warhammer is about having models on the table and about, you know, looking at your opponent in the eye and having a hug afterwards, like there's a very social side to it for me. And I just didn't enjoy TTS. Um, and that's not, to- totally on. agree with that. No, I totally agree with that. Uh, Solly, did you have a similar first off experience? Yeah, I was probably closer to it. I think uh, probably a little bit closer to it than, than Jez was. Um, I think there was a lot of disenfranchisement within like the WTC players after two events had like, oh, sorry, uh, one one event had been canceled. Like we geared up a really good team to go in would have been 2020. Yep. Oh shit. Oh man. This is what happens when you lose a year and a half out of your life. You can't remember what happened in what year. Right. But there was a lot of like disenfranchisement from the team and people sort of losing a lot of motivation with that happening. And like, it was even worse, you know, after when the second event was canceled, um, but I think the first game I played of ninth, I played against you, Adam. I think there was like a one week gap where we were allowed to go to people's houses for like up to four yeah. hours or something. I think you came yeah. over and you'd played more than I, or you'd you'd studied more than I have. I think uh, had it. I think, and I remember thinking to myself, this game, the way it is, is great. But holy crap, I hate the terrain rules. But it wasn't that I hated the terrain rules. It was that I hated playing ninth ed 40k on On eighth ed terrain. Correct. That was the biggest problem that I, and that was probably the most jarring thing for me is like, I actually think, you know, I really enjoyed it once I understood what was going on, but like the terrain really threw me at the start of the edition. Yeah. I was really weird. You talk about those first couple of games we had because essentially I remember getting invite to masters at uprising, which was, I think it was, was the first or second uprising. And I played in the Masters and lost to Brian Lakeland. He, cl- he clubbed me. And I remember sitting there being like, that's a guy who's played 50 games of this edition. 
and I don't think I've played 10 yet. And he just ran rings around me with his Harlequins and uh, got a, a pretty solid win out of me. And, um, yeah, it was really so stark. And, of course, one of the reasons I've got these two um, amazing gentlemen together is because we all have this mutual experience of the edition where it was really compromised. Like, we were, we were debating before we came on, did we play 18 months of this edition or two years of this edition, like, unfettered, without, without like, lockdown breaks in the middle to, to make all our prep and, and sharpness fade. Uh, but in saying that, Jeremy... Take us a little bit about your journey through the edition. I know you've predominantly played the same faction, Sisters of Battle, for just about the whole thing. Um, what has been your thoughts playing the same faction through it? Has it been many peaks and troughs for you? Has it been a kind of adventure? Or has it been pretty, I don't know, bland? Well, to be honest, like I was talking to, to Dean about this the other day, and um, I think, like, I've really been happy with, um, you know, just having this, I've played uh, 2022 as my second WTC. And I was reflecting back on how good the WTC metas were that I was involved in. So the 2019, yeah, 20 time, well, we were all in the team in 2019 when we, um, you know, played in Serbia. And that was a really good meta of 8th edition. I think that was the best 8th edition meta, which was um, like August 2019 when you had Orcs were good, GSC were good. Um, Marines hadn't had their OP codex come out, so they were still playable, but they weren't BS. And it was just a really like robust edition. Um, and I really enjoyed that, but I actually think I prefer ninth edition to the peak of eighth. I think ninth has been better balanced. Um, the kind of like Nephilim, um, meta was really good. The Knackman meta was really good. Um, and I think that that kind of year period, Nephilim, Nephilim Knackman, um, and even Arx as well. Arx isn't horrible. I think Arx has kind of like got a bit of a, um, you know, there was that original apprehension about some of the rules, like the Marines and stuff. But now that it's settled, I think it's pretty good. And I feel like it's been like a really, really good year of 40K. And I've really enjoyed playing Sisters. I think I've probably had the best time. And that's why I'm still playing them. Like people have said to me, why are you still playing Sisters when they're not really good anymore? And it's like, yeah, they're probably B tier right now, but I have so much fun with the Miracle Dice. I have so much fun with just some of the interactions and I just really like them. So I've actually really loved this edition. It's probably my favorite of what I've played, which is seventh, eighth and ninth. That's exciting. That's really, really nice to hear as well. Such a resounding thing for somebody who's played essentially one faction, the entire thing. Um, Solly, what are your thoughts? What's your journey through this bad boy? Yeah. So I started the edition playing sisters and I think I, um, <laughs> I think I played sisters and DJs when he was still playing Marines and he realized how bonkers some of the stuff he could do was. So I like to think I was inspirational there for, for <clears throat> Jeremy getting on Sisters. Um, but I started the edition playing Sisters and I didn't, like, look, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I, I, I quite like the way that army played. But I think, um, like, Dark Eldar was my first sort of competitive army when I started playing events in 5th. And when that book came out, obviously, uh, it was kind of bonkers on release. Like, you know, everyone remembers how how busted it was. But, like, similar to Jeremy, that was a really fun army to play. And I think I'm in, a like, a pretty lucky position where all the armies that I like have been really good this edition. So I sort of went from Sisters to DE, played a whole lot of DE, uh, played some like weird Chaos Space Marine demon soup stuff in the middle. That was the uprising that I won where I played the the Beasts of Nurgle plus Lord of Change plus yeah. Keepers yeah. plus Terminator Bomb, which was uh, an incredibly fun list. Like I, I still rate that as probably one of my best list writing, you know, endeavors ever. I feel like that list was really well put together, really took advantage of like a bunch of different data sheets in a way that was kind of creative. So I, I really rated that list. 
Uh, and then I played Demons, like, you know, in the back end of the edition, like I played a lot of DE through to WTC, but when Demons came out, I hopped straight on Demons and I've been playing nothing but Demons since. I've just got to play like some of my favorite armies and, you know, be pretty competitive with them. So that's been so, pretty good. So it's been overall a very a positive experience for you? Yeah, I, I think I would have, I said, I think I'd feel differently if I was like predominantly, uh, you know, a, a Death Guard and, you know, yeah, yeah. Know, <laughs> a, a, a Death Guard and Guard player, right? That would have been a terrible experience for me because... Death Guard were never really good. I think I played Death Guard at one event and I didn't love it. And then, like, I would have had to wait the entire edition to get my Guard Codex. So, like, I think the, the experience has been... Uh, I, I'm in a lucky position, I think. I think all my factions have been good, this edition. So Fertile fertile soil at the Soli Manor in that, this ninth right. edition. That's right. <laughs> all right. Staying with you, Soli. What was your opinion of the core rulebook? So there's been a lot of stuff strapped onto these core rules. Arcs of Omen, um, you know, GT Mission Packs, Balanced Data Slates on top of top of top. But if we just strip it all back to a core rulebook, do you like it? Yep. I think it's really good. I think that I would be perfectly happy for a a full reset 10th edition where the core rules are almost exactly the same. There are definitely a few little things that could be, you know, rewritten or tweaked or adjusted, but I think the core rules themselves are as good as they've ever been, I think. I tend to agree. I, I think there's a few things that they could, I mean, it's, it's pretty noticeable that they're going away from feel bad interactions, which I possibly going to lament the loss of like the expression of skill to some extent, but we'll see how bad that may be. Um, Jez, what are your thoughts on that core rule book? Yeah, I agree with Soli. Like the fact that it's so like, it is very small and, and accessible. Like new players can read it in 10 minutes and be ready to play. Um, I think that's really positive. Um, I do think that the fact that the FAQs, I think the FAQ system has some issues. Um, like the fact that, you know, things were being added and removed to the FAQs without really like if it wasn't for like Reddit, you know, people would just comb through it randomly. <laughs> it's like people awake at 3am and just decide to check FAQs and work out the stuff's being removed. Like, um, so I think that the the fact that it was so reliant on FAQs was a bit of an issue just because GW tended to stealth change things, which often would, would mean that you just assume that something was there. Like you just kind of assume that a rule existed due to the FAQ and then you'd go there and find out the FAQ's been gone for like a month to the rules actually being changed <laughs> for a month, but you didn't know. So I think that... Um, Dude, it's... Yeah. It was weird, wasn't it? Like, I can't think of, like... It was such a bad feeling when it happened to somebody and you just saw, like, the, the blood drain from their face because they're like, this can't end well. And um, how did I get into this position? But it happened. It happened to a lot of people. Yeah, there were things like... um, I mean, there were a lot of things, right? But, like, an example would just be things like being able to fire and fade into a transport and stuff like that. Um, yeah. You know, and, and stuff that just kind of changed. And it was just a bit weird. But, um, but yeah, overall, like, I think the core rule book was really good. I think the core stratagems, the existence of the core stratagems is really interesting. Like, um, you know, Desperate Breakout was a really nice stratagem to kind of um, remove some of that toxicity from 8th. And um, Emergency Disembark, that was probably too strong. Probably should have been 2CP just because it was often just being used as a way to just gain movement. Like, I, I, that was yeah. my best stratagem in ninth with Sisters with just um, <laughs> people kind of going, like, they'd say things like, you know, do you agree that um, you can't charge me with your repenture because I'm, you know, like, the there's the 9-inch disembark plus the 12-inch charge. So it'd be, like, just outside 21 or whatever. And then they'd blow up the rhino and I'd just emerge disembark and charge him next turn. <laughs> so, like, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that. And perfect segue as well, because we're about to talk about our opinion of the Balanced Starter Slate and Chapter Approved system, which kind of it, it kind of was there in 8th edition, but really came into its own in ninth edition, because it was implemented, what, halfway through 8th? The data oh, slate and like stuff. That. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, no, I just know it wasn't there at the start. But so we've had it for a whole edition. Solely, what are your thoughts on this as a system for, for active balance of the game? Uh, so a- as a system, I think it's very good. I think the the execution is not I say not great. Not great's almost not fair to GW, but like the the idea that they're going to release a scheduled update that you know when it's coming that you know that it's going to address, you know, certain things is really, really good. However, what has ended up happening is that everyone is like holding their breath for these updates. Then things that obviously should get changed don't get changed. And that's a real problem. And then sometimes like with, you know, moving away from the balance data slate, like more like the chapter approved, the, um, the points costs and things just, it seems to be managed really inconsistently. Like, there was just no reason for certain things to get points drops and like random things got points increases in the last one. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like it feels like they're changing things for the sake of saying, Oh well, no, we made changes here. or We made changes mm. here, but uh, I think that needs to be more robustly uh, play tested um, for it to actually work. However, the, the idea in the system of like scheduled updates every three months, I think helps keep the edition really fresh. I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, how do we feel about the last one? So there was a bunch of data slates that were just complete nothing burgers. And then this last chapter approved this Arcs of Omen essentially became almost a new game. It became like a, a whole nother patch onto the game where, you know, we're playing Counter-Strike now. We're not playing Half-Life anymore, so to speak, for those old people out here. Um, how do we feel about that as a thing? Because they really did show what they were willing to do with this system. Well, not the last one. You're talking about the one before last because the most recent balanced data slate was the one where they just nerfed the Finial and gave Telos core back and that was about oh, it. That's, a, that's um, great. So, yeah, the one before. But, the, yeah. yeah, but the one before that, yeah, that one blew everything wide open because it was such drastic points changes. Um and what they need to do, right, like you're absolutely right, like it just it, it flipped on its head what was good and what wasn't good. But in theory, what they should be doing is more gradual changes. You know, they should be phasing things out that are too strong rather than just like obliterating them. And they should be phasing things in that are too weak rather than just saying, okay, lol, plasma inceptors are 40 points now. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's just like it's a little bit too like two all or nothing, you know, it's like if you're driving your car and you can either have your foot all the way on the accelerator or all the way off, there's no in between. Yeah, there's no in between. Um, you know, that that's kind of my biggest gripe with it is I feel like it's way too, you know, on or off. They don't really sort of, you know, like, like ease into things. I mean, case in point is the Marine points, right? Instead of just making them adequately pointed, they just removed all the points, Gus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I, yeah, I think with that, yeah. like, um, I feel like they were doing really well until then. Like, you know, if you go through the, the updates, um, you know, all the way up until Arcs of Omen, I feel like they were doing a really good job. And even something like Armor of Contempt that people had a lot of contempt for, I feel like it actually it was really it was really nuanced. Like it it was surprisingly useful at giving the armies that needed it a buff, like Grey Knights, Marines sisters they all got a nice buff but it was their win rates went up a little bit but not to a point where they became like sisters was a little bit maybe a little bit um too strong for a while there but that was marginal um and i think 
you know, the, the win rates were all hovering around just over and just under 50. I think the, the most egregious one was Harley's where, that was sitting at a high, very high win rate. But like, then they did, the, and they were doing a really good jo- job of doing things in like small increments. They were showing to me that they had the, they have the capacity to do it. Like a lot of people over the years have said, oh, GW, there's like one guy in there, you know, like randomly throwing <laughs> a set of board. Like it, it was be- yeah. became quite evident that that's just not true. There's obviously a bunch of really um, talented and hardworking people that got a very, very good um, balance together. But then I think ARCs, to be fair, I think ARCs was just like kind of what the fluff is, like this big, huge, momentous change in the in the way that the the whole like Imperium and everything's going like lions being resurrected and the the like Abaddon's trying to get these all these relics and stuff, whatever the hell's going on in the fluff. Like I I think it was just supposed to tip things on its head leading into the new edition. So it I don't think it was supposed to try to achieve balance. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I don't think I don't think it particularly was either. I think it was more of a we want to reef we want the whole the, the game to just feel different after this day. And they, they did do that. So there's one controversial thing that went down this edition um, that has never been done before. And that was what was done to Leagues of Votan. A nerf before release. So you have a printed book and a line of miniatures being released, and then the contents of that book is changed prior to actually being sold on stores. Is this something we want? Sully. Well, obviously not. Like, like there's, there's no world where you can answer that question with yes. So obviously. <laughs> no, but, but, I mean, if you have something that busted, do we want them to do uh, that? Or do we uh, want Adam, them? you sound like someone on Sky News. Like, oh, hello, Prime Minister. <laughs> you know, there was a bombing today. Do we want to see more of this? So well, obviously is this the answer is wanted? no. Um, no, so... <laughs> so, a crime was committed, Adam. Why do you like it so much? I, I don't. So, <laughs> Continue. Um, obviously, we don't want people going out and buying books that are invalid before they, you know, before they even get to use them, right? Um, the the rules team, it, it's strange, right? There have been a few books this edition that have been really well written and really well balanced, like, you know, like, Craft Worlds, for example, right? Well, let's exclude Harlequins there. Like that book has been consistently okay, never like smashing everyone, but it's always been okay and it's always been playable. You know, there are books like that that have been really good this edition. And then there's like release Harlequins with 90 point void weavers. Yeah, dude. And like, yeah. well, you, you know, had two, yeah. 200 and what? So it was 210 or 230 point hecatons on release. Yeah. Like, wow. Stuff like that, right? You know, it, it obviously can't stay in the game because, you know, what happens is it becomes, you know, Leagues of Votan versus Leagues of Votan on every top table because that's just, you know, that they're the army that you have to play to win. We, so we, we don't that. want that. We had that. Yeah. Remember that Adepticon, which was just like, ah, oh, the top five, f- uh, four of them were just like, oops, all Void, wa- void Reavers. It was, it was horrific. It was terrible. Yeah. So, like... There is no good solution to this other than the rules writers getting points right before they print the books. That's the only way this is ever going to get any better. However, like the real answer to this is that you just have free digital points and they're available yes. and they're updated yes. in real time. They're 100%. updated at a point in time when everyone knows to check. Like, you know, even if it's every month, even if it's every three months, you, you know to go and check the most recent, you know, online points because if they're going to release this many changes, the points have to be free. 
they can keep the profiles in the books. They can keep, you know, the release points in the books, whatever they want to do. You know, GW don't want to give up the money from selling codexes and it makes sense. And there's a lot of, you know, stuff they shouldn't give away for free, but the points should be free. The points totally, should yeah, absolutely be totally free agree. online so you can update them and you don't feel bad when you buy a book and then half of the points costs are different and you don't get to use your book to write your But, books. I mean, can't can't you just argue that that was the case? Like, in a sense, obviously, the, the Votan book has points in it. Like, there are, there are a couple of pages of points at the back. But if you just disregard that and say those points are there for, you know, for posterity of the release and also because there's going to be some people that just go into GW, buy a book, go home with their mates and don't really care enough to look online. But like in terms of, well, in terms of like any level of competitive play, anyone listening to this podcast, anyone that's got any level of competitive, um, you know, desire for the game, they knew about that change in points because obviously GW publicized it. Um, and in some ways I, I think that's a much better model that, you know, so that when, um, you know, you're keen for Votan, you're keen for Space Dwarves, you've been wanting them since Rogue Trader. Uh, well, they existed back then, you know, so you wanted the update. And then you get the, like, updated points. So you don't let your expectations get too high. You go and buy the appropriate army. You buy the things you want that fit your play style. Um, I think that's way better um, than what happened with Harleys. When Harleys came out and then everyone went and bought a bunch of the, you know, like the um, Void Weavers, and then they just were, they were nerfed straight away. That's, and then you got like you got like maybe two months like Maca bought like a, a bunch of them you get like two months um, out of them and then suddenly they're all on the shelf um, and I think like Space Dwarves I think they did a great job of their actual the actual like like because I've played them a few times now I've played um, you know like several mostly Queensland players um, and I really like their play style I think they genuinely play like dwarves should. And playing them feels weird because you kind of think like, oh, I'm actually playing dwarves. And like, it feels like they've, they've put, <laughs> well, they just, well, they have, they've put the identity of the army in, in a really good way. Like just that mm. some of the rules yeah. they have, uh, um, the limitations so, they have, et cetera. I, I did the Votan retrospective last week with um, Danny Porter from the UK, well now in Poland. And then, um, Oliver Johnson for the part two. And both of them kind of alluded to the fact that the Votan book was dealt with poorly, and very likely that was because it was the first book of that faction. Like, I mean, the Tyranids book came out and is, is possibly one of the, the best, most complete codexes we've ever seen. And it didn't get dealt with anywhere near as harshly as the Votan book because it had a dedicated player base of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who were lining up to buy that and would have, you know, raised hell had it been, you know, nerfed. Um, whereas Votan didn't ha really have a support base. And so I, I think there is something to that, but we have to move on for the sake of time. Um, quick fire questions. You're going to go one each, and then we're going to move on. Um, Soli, what did you think of G-Dub trying to balance the game via secondaries, case in point being Necrons? Um, I think that it's good, but not as a solution on its own. I think that it helps. I think they need to look at what secondaries are being played, and I think the ITC battle zap is a very good a resource for that because you know you can sort of get real secondary data out of that um out of that app like the back end can i know that gw have access to that um i think it's a good way to balance the game i don't think it's you, you can do it with secondaries alone but i do think if you know like, like for example there was a point in time where armies like sisters and necrons just had like three busted secondaries and would score 40 plus 
yeah. every game. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. thinking back to the old while we stand when it was 350-point Cannonesses, right? Um, you know, like, that's obviously too good. Uh, so balancing the game that way helps, but I don't think you can do it all with um, with secondary changes. Fair. Jeremy, uh, terrain rules. You like them for this edition or don't like them for this edition? Um, I, th- I like them. I think you look at... Um, just the the fact that they allow for um, a genuine situation where going second often feels good to go second. Often it feels good to go first. Often you don't know. Some of the best things about ninth is like, because of terrain, you don't really know whether you want first or second. And, and part of me doesn't like the fact you just roll off. Now it's just a roll off. You don't get to choose. I kind of liked when you got to choose, because I think it would be really interesting if you got to choose, you'd get to see a lot of people both claiming to want the same thing. So, like, you'd have, you know, you picking to go second or you picking to go first and your opponent being happy that you did that. I kind of miss those days. And I think that the ninth terrain rules are good enough that that would have, if that was the case, you'd see a lot of people both claiming to want the same thing because it's complex enough that it's quite balanced. It's on a bit of a knife edge um, because of the terrain, because it provides lots of obscuration, because you've got, like, some dents and stuff that allows for, you know, you can kind of put yourself in a situation that even if they establish a firing lane, they're, they're at neg one. Um, the WTC yep, yep. had those, um, the, what were they, the events that give you light and dense, like that's really nice. So I, I, to be honest, I think the only complaint, and I know there's some people that would be listening to this that would be hoping I'm going to say it, is there's a little bit of monotony, like a little bit, like if you look at the WTC terrain pack, um, or even just general ITC, uh, kind of the way that the LVO is, for example, a lot of the tables end up looking the same. Um, so I would have liked to see maybe a bit of variation, just the shape of the train. Um, but overall, I'm happy with it. I am happy with it, um, but I, I don't like how much of it we've needed to make the game playable. I really want to see us reduce, but I'm, I'm beating that dead horse pretty bad. Um, Soli, what would you say about the power creep of Ninth Edition? Uh, oh, that's an interesting one, because I feel like it didn't just creep. I feel like there were just random spikes <laughs> of things that were too good, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, the books from the end of the edition are much better than uh, pre-update Necrons and original Space Marines, right? Like, you know, you put, you know, you put release Tyranids on the board next to the Necrons when they first came out as, oh, like, man. the first codex, oh, and, like, the Necron players getting... Uh, absolutely molested. So one, that's not, one unit of yeah. nine warriors just tables them. Did, did nothing yeah, so like, it. you know, obviously there was some level of power creep, but that being said, like when you look at the most powerful, you know, books this edition, like the Tyranids, the release, Dark Technomancer, Dark Elder, <laughs> but Crusher Stampede wasn't right. Crusher Stampede was a, an update. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, I'm going to talk to you about Crusher in a minute, but keep going. I actually, don't, I actually don't think Crush Stampede was that bad. Uh, but anyway, uh, like you, you look at these oh, things that they've all been spaced out, man. Like it, it's not like there was creep. The Drakari book was like the fifth book out, something like that. Yep, um, that's correct. Like it was, and, and that Dark Technomancer Drakari list was bonkers. Mm-hmm. Like that was like you could put that up against almost any of these other insane lists, and it's actually like you know I, I think it competes right. Um, and the same can be said for Tyranids, like release Tyranids with those warriors the way they were, like they will compete with anything. And 25 like points, man. 25 yeah. point warriors with gun and weapon. Like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Nine void weavers, same thing. Yep. Like, man, like, you know, pre-release Votan, same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guard, not quite as offensive when you put it in this context, but still, but like, still- 
still, still pretty, yeah. pretty bonkers, right? And that's like over the course of the whole edition. I actually don't think there was that much power creep. I think that stuff came out that was busted the entire edition. Like, oh, man, I didn't even mention Admech planes or Orc buggies. Correct, like, correct. You know, like, this stuff's happened the whole time. You know, it's easy to say, oh, there's power creep. No, I don't think there's power creep. I think there's been busted stuff happening the whole edition. It's just that we've sort of, like, we've actually, it's not power creep. It's power power acceptance creep is what's happened because we've seen <laughs> this shit happen for so long that yeah. we're kind of used to a base level of bustedness happening mm-hmm. that we actually have accepted a, a base level of things being broken and then only some stuff, like, really gets, you know, gets the gears grinding, you know? Um, I love how many times you're able to say based in that one. That, that, that line's a good, good job. <laughs> based. <laughs> Jez. I, I did, did I? Did I actually? Yeah. I don't think I said it once. A based. Yeah, a based level oh. of acceptance. A base, not based. I, I was being Always funny. Based. and Always just right. Right. Oh, all right. Well, you're cringe. Sorry, cringe lord. <laughs> Solely. Thank you. It's my show. Um, <laughs> Jez, uh, do you agree with uh, what Solly was saying about power creep? Um, I do. I, I think, like, I agree. I think, like, what Solly's kind of saying is that the, the best things haven't really gotten better. And the, the things that are the best like wouldn't they were not that much better than other things that have been the best. So um, like GW keeps knocking things down, like things come out busted and then they get knocked down and then new things come out busted, they get knocked down. But if you compare like the level of the, the top of the different armies, like if you get, you know, the orcs from 2020 and the Drakari from to the end of 2020 or early 2021 or whatever it was. And um you know, the different, the custards from when on release and you kind of get them all together. Same with the Harleys. They will all be really busted, even though they're from like over the whole three years, but it's just that they've been kind of progressively nerfed. So it's not so much that it's more like when is GW nerfing? And I think the worst ones we've had, the work, like I think the most complained about um, army in, in ninth would probably be Tyranids because they just didn't get dealt with quickly enough. Um, so the thing is with, so with, I think it's different. There's different things. There are books with broken stuff in it, and then there's broken books. Um, Harlequins was a book with broken stuff in it. Void Weavers being the case in point. Orc Buggies case in point. Well, it's not a broken book. You can fix one portion of the book. The book is fixed. Tyranids had an innately broken book. There was just so many levels and layers to that thing. There's so many different le- dude. Oh, cool. We just ungabunged warriors. Our oh, warriors are nerfed. Ah, oh, well, spore mines. Our oh, spore mines are busted. Ah, oh, well, let's just chuck together a couple of harpies and some and a couple of flyers. Ah, oh, let's nerf those two. Ah, oh, well, I guess we'll just make up some crazy. Yeah, there was just so many levers to pull that you they just didn't bottom out because the the entire integrity of the book was off the charts. It also, uh, but yeah. in saying that, yeah, go. I was just gonna say it's also like a. Like a very like nids were very like knock you on the head like very like brazen power very like raw power like very powerful data sheets second they didn't say have really good second news. it was just like really good data sheets really good like like um easy kind of one and two combos that weren't really nuanced whereas something like GSC that came out and was just sitting there for like a whole year with no one looking at it. Um, and then Eric looks at it and goes, oh, this is actually pretty good. Takes it to WTC, and then suddenly it's got it's like the highest win rate army in the game, and like, yeah, well, 70% whatever yeah. it was. That's crazy, because that kind of shows that that Catches army, fire. yeah, that yeah. was there the whole time, and everyone was too busy looking at this, like, you know, flashy tyranny data sheets. They didn't realize it was a, a much more nuanced, powerful army behind it. Mm. 
So we've got a Drakari specialist on here, so I'm going to ask a Drakari question. Where does the 9th edition Drakari Codex rank with all the Drakari Codexes for the, the life of the game? Oh, um, so I didn't play the old Dark Eldar book, the one that had Vect in it. So all I know about that book is that there was a 2-plus free rollable save Archon on a bike that didn't really do any damage but flew around and never died. Um, that's all I know about that book. And Combat Drugs killed you, apparently. That's all I know about that first DA book. Um, it's uh, it's definitely a better, more well-rounded book than the last edition one. The last edition DA book that came out uh, in, like, uh, oh, I don't know when it was, but it was quite old, actually. Um, that, that book was very one-dimensional. It was very much build your shooting army that's dudes that shoot you from boats. Um, this book is definitely a lot more, I guess, nuanced and interesting. Yeah, totally agree. This, to, to my mind, the Drakari and Tyranid books for this edition are possibly the best ones they've ever had for their respective factions. Maybe it's debatable for Drakari. I don't think it is debatable for, for Tyranids, though. It's pretty- yeah, uh, so the power from pain mechanic in the old D book was really good, the way it that you sick. sort of got pain tokens by yeah. killing stuff. It was um, sick. That was really cool. Uh, but this book was definitely more usable. The way that the, it sort of gave you a buff per turn, I, I think, was more usable and more like you know, it's not not necessarily like powerful. Like advance and charge is pretty powerful, but um, I, I think that mechanic was way more usable than it was having to like kill something first before you could, yeah, you know, get a buff essentially. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, Jez, favorite of the one most favoriteest thing about this whole edition for you. Okay, that's very broad. Um, I'm trying to think of something spicy. Um, um, probably Celestine blinking off, like plinking off um, railgun shots at WTC, the final round against Poland. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so she's in cover for a two-up save with Armour of Contempt. Um, so even though the AP6 railgun or whatever it is yeah, um, had a ignores, ignores Inbom with AP6, she still got a six up armor save. So I was just like miracle dicing and, you know, like doing <laughs> all kind of stuff, like doing the um, moment of grace and the Celestine's just plinking off, off the shots. So that was pretty fun. I love that. I love that. That is sick. Sully, what's your favorite? Um, uh, I, I I think it's got to be. I, I I had a game at the most recent LBO past where I put a lot of change out in an objective, and someone shot an entire tower army at it and did six wounds. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that is. A, I love how both of your both of yours are hurting tower players. I appreciate this. I respect this. <laughs> well, it's it's yeah. But, no, it's, it's because tower players don't really have brains. So they just like roll dice and hope <laughs> they kill you. And um and yikes. No, no. And here's the thing. It's really funny when the only thing they know how to do which is i shoot this at this doesn't work <laughs> man all right moving on jez the thing you dislike the most about this edition yeah so uh, i didn't like crusher stampede um there were lots of reasons why i didn't like it. i also didn't like wound caps but i know some people like wound caps so i'll leave that one but the thing i disliked most about crusher was just all the things that i think made the ninth power creep kind of like as if there was power creep in ninth I think it was like the rules power creep, like neg one damage, um, giving everything involves, then having to introduce more involved, yeah, everything trans, then like having to then ignore involves, then you have ignore face caps and all that, this kind of 
really silly rules that came out. Um, and when Crusher came out, it was very evident to me that they were going to have to do something about invuln saves. And that's when then we ended up seeing all these like ignore invuln mechanics come out afterwards. But like, yeah, I just the demons had to be given their own special invuln because they had too much ignore invuln in the game. Yeah, exactly. And I think Crusher was just an amalgamation of all the worst rules, like just these things. I mean, in some ways it was cool to see an army like that work. Like it was cool to see these big beasts with 20 wounds count as 20 models. And like, I liked the fact that these models were finally seeing play, but I just hated playing against it. And especially when you could combo it with the, um, the Leviathan book to like give com- obsec in the command phase. So like you go and you try to deny an objective and they're like, Nope, it's obsec as well. It was just, yeah, really it, had, it was just big, dumb, Big dumb unga bunga monsters, but somehow was or was was like the best primary denial game army in the game for no reason. Like there's no reason it should it should have been that too. I so I agree with that. I honestly think Crusher Stampede may go down as the best like one page increase an army has ever seen. Because Tyrannids was like bottom three armies in the game. Crusher Stampede comes out. And it's not a codex. It's not even a supplement. It's like two freaking pages and takes it to the stratosphere. Like takes it to S tier. Um, I think it's absolutely amazing. And, and, and an example of in your mind, pretty much what we don't want. We don't want something to just be like slapped with every overpowered thing in the game. Um, Solly, but your most disliked bit. Uh, oh, yeah. Very good question. Um Look, I, I I really think uh, if, if my, my most like dislike meta or army thing was like all the flyers and stuff before that got changed. Like the Admech flyer versus Orc flyer meta was just like I just didn't want to play the game. Like I, I genuinely was not going to events around then, and we were out of lockdown at that point. I just genuinely wasn't going to events because that just wasn't fun to play into. Um, but more broadly, I didn't like armies of renown at all. Uh, I don't think they were really ever like, you know, with the exception of like Freeblade Lance, like they, they didn't really see a lot of play. Uh, and I've said this a few times. I really liked formations from previous editions. Like I know people sort of jumped to like, oh, Riptide Wing was stupid and Riptide Wing was stupid. But stuff like um, like w- what I played, Jez and I played at a CanCon when I had the Burning Sky Host, which was like the nine units of three Flamers. It was so uh, good. Flamers, Screamers, sorry, Screamers, Scream- not Flamers. Yeah. Um, but, like, stuff like that, I thought, where well, you take a unit that's, like, kind of subpar, but you get a bonus for taking it with other stuff. I really like that sort of thing. And, like, I know it's hard to balance, but Armies of Renown didn't really replace that for me. They just were kind of, like, it kind of something that was there that no one really played with. Um, but I really miss formations. I, I would have liked to have seen those come back. Yeah, I miss formations as well, to be honest. And for every every busted one, like every OP busted one, like a Decurion or a, a Battle Company, there was, like, five to six playable, reasonable ones. Um, and we, we don't, to your point, we don't remember those ones. We, we only remember the busted ones. Yeah, there's like the, stealth, the stealth suit ghost kill one was cool. Like the one where you like infiltrated stealth suits and ghost kills together and did stuff with them. But that was cool. Um, yeah, I didn't mind that one, except that they always hit you in back arm for some reason. So, yeah, it was weird. It was, was weird, always, wasn't it? <laughs> I, 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 I salted up once when someone with three, I oh know, I think it was five stealth suits killed my tank commander because they were strength five burst cannons and it was hitting me in my back, my back armor. I'm like, how? <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's show me this fluff. How do, they, how do you justify this? Um, and they're shooting mirrors. They shoot mirrors with the guns and it bounces. Never mind. Um, we're going to rank. Ninth edition up against uh, the last edition as editions that we've played and stand, but with the group, the, the trio of us, we've essentially played 
fifth edition till present. I didn't play sixth edition. I played fifth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. Um, I think Jez has pretty much played maybe a little bit of sixth and then seventh, eighth, ninth. Um, and solely you've played a little bit of fourth and then fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't play events in fourth, so like we'll, yeah. we'll do fifth onwards. I think. We'll do fifth onwards. All right, lads. Um, what is? Are we so what we got? We we got we got five to do. Are we are we ranking the rules or like the metas and no, the like the experience of playing? We have to, we have to rate it as a whole, as a holistic whole. Like in hindsight, the all the, all the years that make it up, the roller coaster of them, everything. So fifth edition, I I argue fifth edition possibly has the best rule set. Of the bunch, but maybe ninth edition is as good. What do you guys say to that? Uh, I think fifth was way more exploitable. I feel like there were a few things that were wrong with fifth that made it like, uh, like really min maxi. Um, but I agree. I think the rule set was probably better than some of the others. I, I don't think fifth was better than ninth though. Well, Jez, what about yourself? How, where, who would you put on the bottom? Of those, well, I, I didn't play fifth, but I, from from what I've heard, so I, like what Sully said makes sense from what I've heard, but I didn't play it. So, um, I put bottom from what I've played, uh, probably seventh. As much as like I had a lot of success in seventh, most of my success was in seventh, but it was very just like list building. It was like almost like a deck builder game. Um, you built your list and you just had these ridiculous lists, like you turn up to a game and your opponent has like almost 0% chance of winning. Like when I was playing that, that bark stylist at the end of seventh, like no, I just don't think anyone in the world could have beaten me. I, I, I pretty genuinely think I would have won LVO with that list. I don't think anyone could beat it solely. You know, you did well against it, but it was just so hard to, to do anything to it. And it was so uninteractive. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's at the so bottom. I, so I think sixth is is one worse than seventh, and I don't think there's much argument with that. I think sixth might I, go down as the, as the worst edition of the game um, so far. So, but I, what's weird is that the, the three of us both loved seventh. Like the, it's kind of it's kind of whack. We're such a weird um, trio in that because I really enjoyed seventh. I know you did as well, Sally. I know Jez, you absolutely adored it. Um, so I'm willing to say probably it goes sixth, seventh. Then I think eighth, fifth, ninth. I I reckon it's fifth, eighth, ninth. I, I I actually liked a lot of things about eighth. See, I loved I loved eighth. I I actually in my personal one would have eighth before ninth. I actually liked eighth edition more personally. Uh, possibly that might be because of COVID. That might be because I didn't get to play it as much. That might be because I found it a little solved very quickly. Like it was very quick to solve. Um, but yeah, so. So yeah, so my, do... my argument for that, yeah, my, my argument for eighth being better than fifth, right? So, so going eight, like fifth, eighth, ninth. I, I think that eighth is when uh, FLG really got involved, and we started having mission packs that were actually competitive. That's, um, yeah, that's big. That's probably like from my point of view, eighth and ninth had the best competitive mission packs because ITC existed, uh, and that kind of really, you know, turbo boosted competitive forty k into like something that was actually. You know, not just like, lol, I drew a bad card. I guess I lose this tournament that's really important because I can't get to my opponent's other side of the board. Um, so, like, from my point of view, I, I, I kind of agree, but I, I think it's fifth in the middle and eighth is slightly better mm. than fifth. What about yourself, Jess? Yeah, well, I mean, abstracting fifth because I can't really comment on it. I think I between eighth and ninth, I think um, I feel like the Wild Wild West index meta in eighth was really interesting. 
Um, and that went on for quite a while, you know, it was almost a year of that, of kind of things slowly coming out. Um, and I, and it was very kind of a very, and we're about to experience that obviously now with, with tent. So it's going to, we're going to get to relive that a bit, but that was very interesting, but it was very unbalanced and it was pretty silly. Um, and then Yanari out of the, out of the boat were, were ridiculous. Oh, um, oh. Yeah, man. you know, and I remember playing obviously when Eldar came out, like playing that, that, that list with the spears and the reapers, it was just an obnoxious list. Um, I think there was a lot of obnoxiousness within it, within eighth. I think there was more of it than in ninth. Like there were more moments like the, you know, there were the orcs that just blew you up and um, all kinds of just dumb stuff that existed. And I think that ninth has been better balanced overall. I think there's been moments in ninth where certain things have been broken, but I feel like there's always been the potential to outplay your opponent or there's been interesting meta calls you can make. Whereas I, I do think there were moments in eighth where you just saw kind of ludicrous armies um, and it, it kind of felt almost like you had to just be just as crazy and play this really r- ridiculous list to, to be able to. And, and that's why they had to bring in the rule of three and all those things. Kind yeah. of in. And to be fair, I think what we saw with eighth, with eighth was a massive like um, rise in GW's intervention. Like at the start, they kind of just dropped the indexes and were like, okay, here you go. And then over the next like few years, we saw them end up kind of that with the approach that they've had now in ninth, which has been like, okay, let's actually change things. Let's do things. Um, and seeing that happen was really impressive, but obviously ninth has come into its own because we've, we've got the regular updates, we've got the regular points changes, a lot more, um, uh, genuine efforts made like transparency with releasing, um, win rates and all that. So I personally, I would rate ninth above eighth because I think it's more balanced. I think GW have been long dimensionalist, but they're all, to be honest, the last like five, six years of, of Warhammer, or even longer, if you remove like obviously the COVID situation, it's been like a real good, really good game. I mean, it, it genuinely has. It, when you look at the like the and I, I I keep calling these last two the modern era of the game because of the era with active balance, the area with support from the parent company. Um, and I think these last six years have actually been phenomenal for the game. What about yourself, Sully? Yeah. Look, I I think we've spoken about this a few times, and I, I'm like I'm confident that the WTC 2019 meta was the best meta the game has ever had. I think that like Marines were a bit too crap and GSC were a little bit too good and everything else was viable. And that was without the rule of three. That was without like a lot of these balance mechanics. And I feel like that's probably the best meta the game's ever had. But at the same time, I also think that the game since then, even with things being broken, I look back to like Grey Knight summoning demons, summoning more <laughs> demons for a million <laughs> warp cards in their pool, right? Like stuff yeah. like that. It's never gone that stupid again. Um, and I feel like ever since that, like that, you know, middle of 2019, the last, what's that? The last four years, probably like probably the last five years, probably a little bit before that as well. The game has been in really good shape. And I think it's hard to put any addition ahead of these last two because of just how well balanced the game has been in the grand scheme of things. Again, when you put your, like you, 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 we talked about some lists that were busted before, right? If you get your, you know, your archives out and you start looking through some of the stuff that was really busted, back in the day, it's been nowhere near that bad. Well, what's wild is that we refer to 7th edition, and 7th edition still had an FAQ on it. That's still We still mostly played with either the WTC or the ITC FAQ. And it was still the most busted thing I've ever experienced. Like, by far, like, hands down, it's not even comparable. Um, 
what do we think? So this will be the closing set, the closing question. Um, how do we feel about an addition that possibly could be remembered for its lethality and the fact that everything killed everything? Do we think that is a good place to be for a game like 40K or should it be the opposite or whatever? Um, I, I think Terrain has played a very good role in making that uh, not so much the case. Like it, it's definitely true. Like it's, you, you definitely can't just leave some dudes on an objective and expect to live at the moment. Like that's not really a thing that's happening, right? Uh, and it's created this weird meta where like hiding objectives is a thing that you have to do on almost every table. And then like you know, to in order to invest in durability, you need to like really invest in durability. You need to have like you know ten Alaris custodes standing on an objective now to actually be able to like survive through a turn of your opponent shooting at you. Like that, that's the, like the kind of level of durability. We well, it's, it's, so exactly it's, right. It's, it's ten Alaris plus like four CP, right? It's not even yeah, just ten Alaris. Exactly, exactly right. So like it's probably the game is probably too lethal like that there's definitely been like a a shift to more killy this edition but also i think they were trying to get away from the death stars i think they were trying to get away from the stacking six characters in a unit and giving it seven buffs and giving it stealth and shrouded and like not really dying like I, I, again, I don't think it's, you know, it, it's great. I don't think, you know, you should expect to, like, just lose every unit you put in every objective every turn. But it's created, I think, a very good competitive game where there's, like, this element of, like, trading and forward planning and, like, putting stuff on objectives so your opponent comes out to shoot you so you can shoot them back. And, like, it's created this really good interplay. Um, but you're definitely right. Like, this is the addition that's going to be, like, the the addition where everything kills everything. Jez, um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think the fact that terrain needed to become such a big deal, um, and then kind of indirect fire became really good, so that to nerf that because anything with indirect fire just meant that then you're getting around the terrain. Um, but like, I think uh, overall, um, I feel like yes, every, anything can die, but in some ways that's refreshing because coming off seventh when you just had units with invisibility and bail of time and stuff, they just couldn't die. Um, that was kind of dumb. So I think they kind of did, as Soli said, I think they overcompensated a bit. But the terrain has allowed people to still play and still have a game. Um, hmm. But then you look at something yeah. like an event this year, um, you know, when we had Uprising and we had the, the terrain pack came out that was drama because, you know, like there, there were a lot of open objectives. It kind of like illuminated how killy the game actually is. Yeah. Um, so it kind of, and even like player place terrain, like when you play uh, that, that event, the LVO that Siegler won when he just was using like the craters in the middle and creating firing lanes and blowing everyone up, like kind of just showed, Oh, wait a second. Like terrain is really important. And when, as soon as there's a tournament with the terrains a little bit questionable, um, it just totally shows you how lethal it is. So I do agree with both of you that intent, it'll be nice to see slightly more, a game that's slightly more, um, you know, back to needing the fundamentals and not just about, Yeah. Kill, kill, kill. Um, it's actually interesting to see the the th- last three editions put side by side because you had an edition where nothing died in seventh. You had an edition where, uh, but in seventh was very much a deck builder. Allies was huge. Everybody just took allies all the time. Blah blah blah. There's very little constraints on that. And then we kind of had eighth, which was kind of less of that, but still heaps. You know, case in point being the Castellan list that had Blood Angels, Guard, and, and Knights in it. And now we've had a real purist era of ninth edition where it's kind of mono faction how it's even in, almost enshrined now that you are mono faction in arcs of omen um do we think that's been a better change or a worse change and this will be our last this will be our last discussion point um solely um 
So I, I, I like allies. I like allies within reason. I actually think it's better for the game if we don't have allies. I, I just think that GW are not capable of balancing it properly. Um, not a neg. You know, if, if Mike Brandt's listening, I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, like it's not a, <laughs> it's not a neg on anybody. Hey, we're but like this on his birthday. Thank you very much. Oh, uh, well, well, guess what? You know, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. Man. I'm That's sorry. Fine. Um, <laughs> I, I just think they're not capable of, of balancing it properly, and it's better this way where there are super limited allies, there are really strict rules about it. Um, but I don't want to see it go away. Like, I'm with you. I, I, I want allies to be in the game at some I level, want- especially for things like like demons and harlequins in Dweldar and Correct. our space marines, like stuff like that where it really makes sense. Even like a tiny amount of guard into like space marines or whatever it might be, like kind of makes sense in some situations. Like there's stuff like that that works. But I don't want to go back to like when I played the Scarab Farm and Paladin Star in one army. Like that was ridiculous. So um, so dumb. I do. I remember yeah. one of my first events of seventh. Um, I played against a guy who had uh, Doom Scythe and Helldrakes. <laughs> oh, I played that list too. It was great fun. You stank, dog. Anyway, uh, Jez, what are your thoughts on the same point on the yeah, allies? Pretty much becoming like- into a purist. I don't like those old editions allies rules where you can just literally do anything. Um, seventh edition, you had the allies of convenience and desperate allies and all that. That was interesting, but I, I think it was still two free. Um, I liked the eighth, eighth edition, how that worked. Um, how you pay, you know, and even early ninth when you paid CP for detachments and you could like ally in stuff for the cost of CP. So you're paying for it. It's, you're still paying, right? Like, but it was, it was, uh, often worth it. I thought that was, um, that was cool. Sorry, that was, that was, I'm talking about ninth. Eighth was when no, you, you got you you in reverse. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Eighth was yeah. when you got in reverse, week the 32. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Eighth, sorry. <laughs> eighth was, that was too, I think that was silly because you got over incentivized for taking allies and people were taking allies just for CP. Um, but then in ninth, when you had to pay, I think that was elegant and good. Um, and then when they just got rid of it, like, for example, as a sisters player, you couldn't even, you couldn't even have different orders fighting together, which I thought was dumb. Yeah. Um, and then they let you take Votan, so it's like you can have Votan, but you can't have other sisters' orders. Kind of, I think. But I think that just I know you want to finish up, Adam. But I think the um, the agents of the Imperium, agents of chaos, etc. I think that's a really kind of good rule that they could have utilized better. I think they could have kind of, and I'm sure if Ninth went kept going, they would have. But I think that was actually the answer to the problem. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like some allies is good, you know, being able to say like, oh, you know, I've got a sister's army, but I've got like a little, a couple of lemon rust tanks in there for fire support or et cetera. You can, can keep going down the, down the list, but I think that's cool within reason. I totally agree. I'm all for allies within reason. Like <laughs> the fact that you can't even do like uh, GSC and Tyranids just isn't a thing that can is, is actually possible. Is a bit annoying. Uh, but then there's other ones like they've like in the Chaos Space Marine book. There's you know Empress Cho. Well, sorry, <laughs> on release the people had the uh, the, the little get around uh, wording there where you could play like Flamers and Empress Children. Unfortunately, but apart from that. Most of it is along very thematic elements, and I am all for that. I think that should be enshrined and always be part of the game. Um, and on that note, we will wrap this up. This is one of many of these recordings that I'm doing, guys. I don't know where this is going to fall. This is going to be a part one or a part two, if this is going to be first week or second week, because you can expect two weeks 
of me doing this with various luminaries of the game. People have either had great success or been notable personalities or had a lot of other things going on in this edition. I'm going to be talking to a lot of different heads, but these are two of my absolute freaking favorites because they're my hometown boys and they're my regular sparring partners. And uh, I want to thank you both very much for coming on, gents. Is there anything either of you would like to plug? I know there's some, I know there's some, uh, some, is there a raffle still going for Team Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so Team Australia 40K on Facebook, <laughs> raffle's going through till the end of June. Uh, you can win cool stuff like a Space Marine Army that's been painted by Hayden Waldock and looks sick. It's got Aussie Bogan beer can stuff on the bases. It looks cool. Just go buy tickets and pay for us to eat a pizza in Belgium. Um, Something like yeah. that. I don't know. Any fun sold so well, mate. Some of them will be going towards potential Soli footwear, which they'll probably be yes. available on request. Um, you wouldn't want Australia's greatest athlete out there in his like his his, his you know his New Balance nothings. You know, no. Yeah, mm. I, I will. Anyone, anyone who spends fifty dollars or more on raffle tickets, I will sign one of your shoes. <laughs> Done. All right. It is locked in. If you didn't have a reason to, to sign up and support the team, now you do. Thank you very much for joining me, boys. Hope you guys are enjoying whatever you may be doing these last dying days of ninth edition. Thank you very much. Love you both. See everyone. Cheers. Enchanté. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.